morning. Uh, this week's parsha is uh, Parshat Balotcha, where um, superficial translation simply means that uh, God tells Moshe, Daber el Aron lav, tell Aron, Daber el Aron, first it says, speak to Aron, lav, and you should tell him. And here he's discussing the candelabra that was lit in the um, tabernacle and subsequently in the Beit HaMikdash. What is the purpose? As it has become traditional that we light candles Friday night on the Chag, on many other occasions where... Uh, Candles represent the light. But we have here the familiar Zohar that's quoted uh, very often by uh, Kabbalists to uh, dispel what they understood, including uh, Rabbi Shimon Bayuhai, what they understood would be, would be the, uh, the antithesis of light, darkness. And they understood that this idea of, of lighting candles or creating light in the world would uh, become misunderstood. And therefore this whole idea of the Torah subsequently would become totally incomprehensible and consequently, like the Zohar says, because of its uh, misunderstanding or incomprehension, what would subsequently follow is that people would never would never abide by the rules of the Torah because all that would remain would be the superficial interpretation. And so I, I read from the Zohar. Rababa Patach. This is a verse in uh, Tehillim uh, by King David, where he says, Praiseworthy is the nation that knows the uh, truah of Hashem, the uh, blowing of, of, the, uh, of Hashem, referring, of course, to the, uh, to the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And the light of thy face shall they go. Come and see. What does it mean? Praiseworthy is the nation that knows these blasts of the shofar. The Lord gave the Torah, and he taught them his ways, so that we can connect with him. And therefore we can, uh, by, by observing, by observing, by observing, if we notice 
The Zohar does not say, and when you fulfill the precepts, could have said, in other words, this is the usual, this is the usual understanding of the Torah. When we observe all of the precepts of the Torah, then of course, uh, all of the good that comes, as he says here, we then can have Olam Haba. Again, Olam Haba is referring to after death. That is the, that is the usual interpretation of Olam Haba. One day in the future, one day in the future, does that mean that while we inhabit this earth for, for the reasons of Tikkun or whatever, uh, that means that this world, uh, can never be, uh, this world, this physical mundane world can never be a world that uh, one can enjoy or one can have, uh, the security. One can have the, uh, all of the promises that ultimately is ours that supposedly comes to us after death. What about why we, why we're here? So therefore the inter- therefore he says, he does not say Ula Kayem, he says Ula What does Shamor mean? To keep, watch it. Keep track of it. Just like there is a, uh, there is a whole discourse in the Talmud of, uh, Baba Kama, one of the tractates of the, uh, Talmudical, ba- uh, uh, the, uh, Talmud, uh, the Babylonian Talmud, in which there is discussion of, say, if I, if I, um, uh, if I should, uh, uh, require the services of someone to watch my cattle, he's, co- and I pay him, he's called a Shomer Saha. Well, Shomer does not mean he observes them, I mean, he, he watches them. Watches them, takes care of them. That does not mean he, uh, uh, he, uh, as we understand, Shomer Shabbat means to, uh, to observe the Shabbat. You observe it. What do you mean you observe it? The word is not observed. Shomer means you watch it. Well, what are you watching? You're watching the cattle, how they're moving and so on. Shomer HaShabbat is the same idea. You observe it. You watch its movement. You flow with its movement. It is not a question of L'Kayim. It's a misvot. In other words, your obligation is to fulfill the precepts. It never was intended like that. And L'Olam which is commonly used as an expression of the hereafter, means Olam Haba is referring to this world. Why is it called Olam Haba? It is the world that ultimately will come. Where is Olam Haba? Somewhere up there in heaven? Or do we say, it's right here. As we learned in the Talmud Esesvirot, this world is considered an empty space. What does it mean, an empty space? That everything as we observe it as empty space really, really is filled. If, if we should ex- extinguish these uh, lights in the room, now it's dark. When the lights are on, we suddenly observe the light. When we put those lights on, the f- space becomes filled with light. The world is filled with light. It's filled with light at the present time. The only problem is, and this is not the light that really supports us, this light permits us to read, this light permits us to walk through this through this uh, synagogue. Uh, 
But what else does it do for us? Does it heal? Does it provide us with information concerning the future? No, it, has, it hasn't got these properties. Because this is only for us uh, an example, a symbol of what light means. It means it, it, it provide, it illuminates, it illuminates for us things. It provides or it removes the darkness that obstructs the physical, obstructs the physical, uh, ways that one goes through life. So there is no empty space. But, because of the purpose of Tikkun, we learned that God removed the light, removed the light. And if we restore the light, then we have Olam Haba. That, that is the world to come. The ultimate world. Doesn't mean after death. That interpretation somehow aroused in, uh, in uh, Judaic uh, literature, but it, it, it's it has no connotation to say after death. If that's what it means, all of the benefits that that accrue to man after death uh, will come at that time. But it says, Olam Haba. It is the world that will come. The world that was. And the world that will again come. And what, what did God do? He brought them close he brought them close to him. What happened? This is all referring to what the light does. Because when he brought him close to, to him, what happened when he brought him close to him? They became united. They became one unified whole with his name. In other words, then they are truly free people. Then they were called free people. They were not called free people when they left Egypt, as we commonly accept the idea that going out of Egypt was the freedom that the Jews acquired. And that's not true, says the Zohar. Because if if one has to suffer the the inequalities of life, if one has to suffer the the pain and suffering of life, uh, the the illness of life, and and many other things that accompany mankind throughout his journey into into life's existence. What's the difference where he lives? Suffering can follow him from one country to another. Not because you leave one country does it necessarily become a haven or or a paradise in a, in another country. And therefore, the Zohar makes it very clear that when they went out of Egypt, they were not referred to as free people. The idea of bondage was not that they were slaves, as we have discussed on many occasions, that they were, they were removed from bondage. To become free, to become free required that they became connected with the light. When they became connected with the light, then they had all of the benefits of Olam Haba. What are the benefits of Olam Haba? Benefits of Olam Haba is, is the paths, is the paths that uh, are all lit for you. You see exactly where you have to go. You see exactly what you have to do. Can you imagine uh, five years hence? 
what will medicine look like? As we look back in the year uh, 1999, we look back at medicine, as we look now back at medicine uh, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, we see that was primitive medicine as compared to modern-day medicine. Five years from, him, from, from today, we will look back at medicine and we'll say, look at that, look how primitive it was. Well, what happened between now and five years hence? Problem is, because that which already exists has not yet become revealed. After all, medicine never discovered something that didn't exist. They didn't put together uh, some new ideas. It's all of the material ready, and someone comes up with an idea one day, assumingly, he assumes that it's uh, it's his idea, and suddenly new dimensions in medicine and new dimensions in whatever come into existence. But they didn't originate at that moment. They've been here all along. That's called Olam Haba. That is the, that is what's referred to as the unrevealed world. The world to come. The world that exists, but is not yet, but is not yet revealed. And therefore, when, when the Jews became connected with the name, and that's why to us, the 72 names are so important. Because there is no other connection to the light. Except, says the Zohar, Litached Bishmo. Bishmo. He didn't say Litached in his mitzvot, because, well, then what are the mitzvot? As we have already learned on many occasions. What are the mitzvot? The mitzvot are merely here to prepare us so that when, if someone is evil, someone steals, someone, someone murders, and someone does all of the, of the, uh, of the negative activity prohibited by the Torah, he means prohibited, do it if you want to. However, that does not provide uh, a cleansing. That does not provide a preparation of your vessel, of your vessel to begin to to make use of the names. It is only through the names that the, the lights become revealed. Now, these lights can become revealed only for those who make use of the name. Well, if it becomes revealed for the person, does that mean it becomes revealed for everyone? Unfortunately, no. Well, how could it become revealed for one person and not for another? But we understand that two people can be listening to uh, to uh, one lecturer and one gets the idea and the other one didn't understand it. But the words were the same. So you say, well, the mind of one wasn't, wasn't capable of, of understanding. Yes, that's right. So although it's revealed, although it's revealed, it still remains unrevealed for the, those who who are not prepared, who are not qualified, whatever the reasons are. The fact that something is revealed does not mean it becomes automatically revealed for everyone. Wouldn't you say that's similar to uh, a darkened room? When one person flips the switch, it goes on for everyone. Then why isn't this the case with Olam Abba? That's where, that's where there's a, there's a uh, difference. As I pointed out before, these lights, unfortunately, do not heal an ill person. The sun is a is a healing component. Although today we we can only think of the sun as uh, something that is damaging, something that is harmful, and that is not true. What about the rays of the sun? This, the the uh, the Torah, the Talmud, the Zohar never discusses the sun in a negative way. The sun is only positive. If the sun is only positive, then how come different things happen? Sun burned and so on. That's the rule. That's the rule. How come 
when you connect a uh, an appliance of 110 into a 220, why does it why does it burn? Nobody asked that question. Why don't you ask that question? Because the receptacle is not prepared to receive that kind of energy. Everyone understands that. It's not ready. It's not qualified. So the problem is not that the sun is harmful or electricity is harmful because don't you see what it did to this appliance? It burnt it out. So therefore there must be something wrong with electrical current if it can if it can burn out an appliance. Well, everyone laughs at that kind of explanation. And the and the and the uh, the normal response would be should use the transformer. You can use that electrical current, but use it with moderation. Use it. But that doesn't that doesn't imply that the that the energy itself is is bad. And we're discussing here the light. And therefore, to connect with the light, it can only be with his name, with the different names that we that we make use of. These are not seventy two names. These are the names. Now, how how do you prepare your vessel for so to prevent overexposure, etc.? That's the rest of the Torah to prevent exposure. The Torah itself, connections with the mitzvot by and within themselves, do not create the connection. Zoas makes it very clear here that it is that they became bnei chorin, they became free people. Only and when they became unified with his name. And then they were called B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Chorin. And then there's, on the, on the same idea, Patek and he says, V'atan HaTeva B'chodesh Discussing the uh, deluge, the flood, that on the seventh month, the uh, the ark rested on Mount Ararat, and the Zohar, This is the, the the famous Zohar. Kama chavivim aim divrei Torah shekol mila umila yesodot elyonim, but Torah kula nikrat elyona. How, 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 uh, beloved is the, is the words of the Torah because each and every single word contains secrets, secrets, hidden concepts, meaning the words themselves, the words themselves are like, are like a package that contains, contains, uh, an article. Is the article there? Of course it's there. Does that mean I cannot access into it? No. Of course you can. But you have to open up the box. You're in possession of the box, you're in possession of the article, but if you never open up the box, you're never in possession of the article, despite the fact that you're holding in your possession this box with this whatever is contained within the box. That So too is this entire Torah. This is, this is the general rule of everything that exists in the Torah, in the world. Even though sometimes we have very simple stories of the Torah. 
He does not come to tell us about this particular story. And throughout the Torah, we have many stories, most famous of which is the exodus of the Jews from Egypt. That is a story, says the Zohar very clearly. The Zohar, the Torah, is not coming to to uh, to uh, enlighten us with a story. But only to to provide us and and uh, enlighten us with upper words or upper matters, mysterious matters, concealed matters. It came. It did not come for the purpose of telling us the story about Passover. It comes to reveal everything there is. It's, this box is the opportunity. This, these words, the whole Torah is, is a, is a capsule in which it does not want to tell us a story about the box as, as unfortunately the entire world that's still, after all, the, the Bible is still the, uh, the bestseller since time immemorial. It's still the most sold volume of any, of any other volumes in the world. And yet, it is the most misunderstood or least understood of, of any book that has ever been written. Because, says the Zohar, we're, we're observing that we're observing the Torah, we're observing this box, which which did not come for the purpose of revealing the box. It came to reveal that which was concealed within the box. And therefore, when it says, in the seventh month, it was on the seventh day of the month of Cheshvan, where the ark came to rest, he says, What is the difference if the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat or it came to rest on another, on another uh, mountain? I mean, does it make any difference? Certainly to us today, where it rests, we don't even know where it rested. We can't even go. There's still expeditions, mind you, uh, of almost, um, uh, let's say, 40, 4,700 years later, there's still expeditions looking for Mount Ararat, looking for the lost Ark of, of Noah, expecting to find something there. Well, an antiquity. But the Zohar says, what's the difference on which mountain it rested? doesn't have to rest on some mountain. Once you come to rest, after all, the entire world was covered, and and the mountains are those that would uh, reach at the highest point. So it would first touch some mountain somewhere around the globe, and therefore he answers, "Ki Romez al Zman Hadin." It's come to tell us about the month. It's come to tell us about the month of Scorpio. It's a month of Din. The minute you you attach that word to Mount Ararat, and of course, as he will say uh, shortly, what does Ararat mean? 
What does it mean? It's a mountain like any other mountain. And it is a mountain like any other mountain. So it's not coming to teach us about Mount Ararat. That is what's, that is not what's significant. What is significant is the fact that it rested in this month. This month teaches us that it's a month of din. It's a month of difficulties. It's a month where you have, you have exposure, overexposure, or it is a month where we have the least, the least, uh, the least, uh, uh, ability to, to prepare ourselves to receive the, to receive the light, and therefore we've, we've, uh, we've, uh, exposed ourselves to this overexposure of the light. That's how simple it is. So the name Ararat, the name Ararat, is not significant to give us a name of the mountain. Make no difference. However, Ararat comes from the word Arur. Cursed, as the Zohar will state. That has a different connotation. Telling us that on this 17th, on this 7th month, which is the month of Scorpio, represents Din. That's a whole, a whole different idea. It's teaching us something for today. It's not important to know where Mount Ararat is. There's no reason for expeditions. There's no reason to find the ark. Because that's not what the Torah was coming to tell us. Some, some historical event that took place some 4,700 years ago. And so we'll find out that this is what it was. That's how they lived. And they had so many bathrooms in the ark. You know, this is, this is what, what, what science is doing for us today. This is what they spend billions of dollars. Does it, does it provide any assistance for us today? None with, no one, no whatsoever. Same way as the expedition to the moon. In what way has this expedition somehow benefited mankind? The answer is, after all of these expeditions, nothing of any value, nothing of any value has come for the benefit of mankind. And then the Zohar, to stress the point, says, let's take a Melech Basavadam. Is it proper for a king to speak in, in, uh, Diburi Hedjot? It doesn't just mean, uh, layman's, uh, language, but the, uh, but the, um, the, uh, it doesn't even mean the language of the, uh, common man, because would that indicate that Common man speaks a language which is not uh, beholden of a, of a king, but a language that that doesn't say anything, a language that has no, no meaning, a language that does not express the the uh, the true understanding of what's being said. Is coach king of Tovatam? So why would God, if 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 the if it's a, just to tell us a story about Mount Ararat? If there is no purpose, but just for the for the sake of speaking, for the sake of of uh, of, uh, of uh, not enlightening us, but providing us with even information. He could have used other words, like 
What kind of words did he use? We're talking about Esa, Haga, Lavan, Divriaton. We're talking about an, uh, uh, a uh, donkey, Divri Bilam, Divri Balak. These people are supposedly evil. And all of these things he assembles and he makes from them a Torah. Why is it called the, the Torah of truth? Torah of truth. It's not called a book. It's not called the Torah of, of history. It's called the Torah of truth. Torah Emet. But as he, as he stated before, the story is not coming to refer or to enlighten us concerning that which is written. It has, insofar as that which is written, it is not coming to lo yasa dava mimenu for the thing itself. To enlighten us concerning these events. That includes the, the exodus of Egypt. The Torah did not state the exodus of Egypt to enlighten us that the Jews once went out of Egypt. That's not the purpose. He wouldn't create the Torah. He wouldn't write the Torah to create a historical document. There is no purpose in creating a historical document. But rather, this historical document was the, was the package by which God could create for us what? The inner secrets, the inner machinations of the universe, so that we can understand that if we want to flow with the universe, if we want to flow with the music uh, 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 of this world, uh, of the events of this world, we can only arrive and only achieve this this movement, flowing with it rather than, than moving against it, as well. unfortunately most of us, without the knowledge of Kabbalah, we have no we have no way of knowing of how the tide's running. We may be running, maybe swimming upstream, maybe maybe swimming against the tide, and so it's like walking up a, a down escalator. When do you reach the top? When do you reach your destination? Maybe never. Maybe never. For every step taken, you may be going two steps down. The escalator might be might be going down quicker than you are you are ascending. So therefore, the Zohar, in his in his connection with with the uh, with these lights, the idea of the lights, is there only to to enlighten us, to enlighten us. Even these lights, the lights of, uh, that were uh, lit by Aaron in the tabernacle, were not there. So, well. How else would he be able to see how to, uh, how to, uh, work in the tabernacle? He needed some form of lights, and therefore there was a candelabra. How else would he have lights if not through a candelabra? Says the Zohar. We should not treat this idea here as, uh, as a story telling us what took place in the tabernacle, but rather, when the Torah discusses that Aaron lit these lights, what he was doing, as the Zohar will shortly explain, 
what he was doing was bringing energy into this world. What he was doing is bringing light. What is light? Today. Only today. Not, not 500 years ago. Not even 200 years ago. That they understand that, en- that light, light is energy. One time we only thought that, um, that electricity was energy. Uh, horses were energy. Horsepower. We still use the word horsepower. What, what motivates an automobile? Horse power. This physical power is what makes this engine move. And we know today that's not true. Not true. There is an internal, the, 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 uh, the motor itself is, a, is not completely inanimate, but certainly is not the force. Is the fuel the force? You ignite the fuel. That's not the force. When, when there's combustion or when this fuel is ignited, you then have what? You're getting closer to the illumination of light. You're getting closer to the illumination of energy, which today they recognize as the, as the, uh, as the most potent form of energy. Most potent form of energy is, uh, is uh, light. Although they're still under the mis- misunderstanding, like the sun. The sun is a, is a, um, is almost a, uh, an infinite source of energy. Although they still think that after maybe 99 million years, we may, we may lose the, uh, the sun as a reservoir for, uh, for en- the energy of the sun. So, I mean, I think it's something we all gotta go home and, you know, not sleep since, you know, in 99 million years, the sun will no longer be able to provide the energy that this world requires for its existence. But th- this is where their thinking is. Anyway, so this idea of, of, uh, of lighting the, uh, candelabra, lighting the cam- candelabra is clear that it was not for the purpose, for this specific purpose of just to enlighten us. Well, how did, how did, Aaron get around in the, in the uh, tabernacle. Maybe they had some skylights so during the day, if the sun was shining, he could see, you know, what he was doing. What about at night? That was not the purpose. He did not need, he did not require this candelabra for that purpose. Alright. Then the Zohar continues. Patzach Rabbi Yossi, Balotcha etaneiro, Balotcha mamash, Dainu Bhadla Katcha. It says Bahalotcha. And how, how is the interpretation Bahalotcha? And here again is another indication, as usual in the Torah, how, how corruption would, would set in. Speak to Aaron and say to him, when you light the lamps. But we know the Hebrew word for lighting is lahadlik. Even when we light our Hanukkah candles, what's the word for lighting? Lahadlik. Dalek. So what does it mean, bahalotcha? Halotcha comes from the word aliyah. To raise up. When you raise up the candles. Well, that doesn't sound right. You mean he takes... He takes the candles, in this case he was using oil, 
So what does he do? He takes the glass and, and raises up the, uh, the uh, candles, or if it's oil. They should all face Ya'iru, the word, and Ya'iru Shivata Nerot, so that these seven lights shall light. Well, what else does candles do if not light? Says Rabbi that's not what was happening here. Not what was happening. Well, just to light the candle, I'm sure, I'm sure they could have taken anybody other than the Kohen and, uh, and ignite these candles that were in the, uh, in the, uh, tabernacle. So he says, Shemen Uktorat. There were two things that the Kohen did. There was Shemen, oil, and Torat, incense, which says Rabashag, which was Chachma and Bina. These two, these two have the quality. These two, the um, the oil, oil. When we light oil, when the uh, kohen in the in the tabernacle lit this oil, what was he doing? Well, you have a wick. You suddenly see a flame. You have light. What's the purpose again? Like Hanukkah, same idea. Was it to to create a light? No. By lighting that wick, by lighting that wick, the, what he said before the Zohar, what becomes revealed is something that oil contains, and yet, when you look at the oil, you might use it for salad, for other reasons. It does not, it, you do not reveal by by spreading a little oil over your or over your salad, do you reveal the internal that concealed that olam haba ingredient within oil? When you light the oil, when you light the oil, what you create is an internal energy called chachma. That internal energy is revealed. It's there. It was always there. But it's like the seed with a uh, with the apple. The apple is there before you plant the seed. But we live in this world where things are concealed and therefore must become revealed. That's that's our purpose here to reveal that which already exists. Everything was this table here. Let's see this table. For those of you who, who attend services here in this, in this, uh, synagogue, was, is this table usually here? No, the answer is no. Well, now it seems that they just brought this table, and this table now becomes revealed in this place. The answer is, answer is, this table has always been here. Everything has always been here. Just like tomorrow has always been here. Tomorrow only has an ability, time has an ability to become revealed without our effort. And do you know what, what the, what the punishment for that is? That time becomes revealed without our effort.
Know what the punishment is? That the moment it becomes revealed, it's yesterday. It's no longer even today. The moment it becomes revealed, which means the present, it's already yesterday. The next moment of time on your clock, it's one minute after five. The minute is one minute after five, it's one minute and one second after five. It already is part of the past. You can't hold on to time. Does that mean we can't hold on to time? We can hold on to time. Einstein proved that time is not what we thought it was. And it's not what we thought it is. It's still not what we think it is. What is time? Time is a gauge by which we measure how long do people live. Well, today women, women, the average lifespan is 81 for, uh, for women. And, um, and for men, I think it's uh, 76 or 77. What's going to happen in five years hence? Well, the way it's been going from 46 for a male to, uh, to 76 in such, such a short period of time it took thousands of years to descend down to 46 from Adam who lived 930 years and went down to 46 and now it's going up. It took so many years to go down and now all of a sudden within the past less than 100 years it's gone from 46 up to 76 and it's expected that it should go to the average uh, by 2000 to be 100. 100 years. What does that mean? What What's happened here? Well, time, that once meant a framework. Time is a framework. Past, present, how many years, statistics, are all talking, those that are, are referring to time. It's something that changes. Why is time, why, why, why does time change? Because we have no control over time. We have not, we are not in a position to, to, or, or we don't know how to, how to restrict things, how to control things. What is restriction if not control? So time just flows by us. It comes easy. It, it, it becomes revealed without our effort. But that which becomes revealed by our effort does not become part of past history. It stays with us. This table, this table required an effort to be brought here. It'll stay here as long as we intend to remove it. Why doesn't it disappear? As it, as it wasn't here the moment it came here. Because it required an effort. When there is an effort involved in any action, easy come, easy go. Isn't that the old saying? Easy come, easy go. What, what does that mean, easy come, easy go? Why? So if it was easy to come, why must it be easy to go? Why must it disappear as well? Why can't it stay? Why does it require all this effort? Because without effort, it's like time. It comes, and because there is no restriction, effort re- means restriction. If there's no restriction involved, then it, it, it will disappear. The reason that this table is here, it remains here. It's revealing that which was. After what is this table? Then we have to get into this consciousness. We better get there quickly because this is that way where we're gradually moving into control over our destiny. 
This is the way we're going to begin to see things like we've never seen them before. This is the way we're begin, we'll begin to understand things like we never understood them before. And de- not depending on, on the capacity of my IQ and not capacity, yeah, on the capacity of my intelligence. It will depend on the level of how I make an effort to achieve consciousness. That means if you have an IQ of 16 and someone has an IQ of 160, the one who makes no effort will remain with his IQ of 160. But is that the total limit? Is that as far as we can go? How come some, some people invent things and it doesn't depend on his IQ? Well, he's got a flash, whatever that means. Where it requires, if, if it contains an effort, that is what, that's why we stress restriction. Because how else, how else do you, do you make an effort? Yes. Uh, a matter as simple as bringing a table in, it requires an effort, and therefore the table will stay here. When we remove the table, does that mean we've actually removed the table? No. Table, after all, the table is only 1% of, of, of the atoms. Can you have a table here? And can you have a chair here? Can you have all these different things here? The answer is, of course. Well, could you picture a table occupying uh, uh, seven other tables in the same space? No, the rational mind doesn't see it so much, but it's the same atoms that will fill up both of them. It's the other aspect. It's how we can't, we can't, we can't judge, we can't move, we can't make movement with the physicality, because the rational mind has a limited capacity to physicality. That wasn't the function of the physical mind. Physical mind was never intended to understand. In fact, I call it, because it's obvious, I call the rational mind satanic consciousness. It's the satanic consciousness that creates this bilboo, that creates all the confusion. We're, we're always, we have always been programmed into an assumption that the mind, IQ, the mind is what, is how you understand things around you. The answer is that the mind, the rational mind, the conscious mind as we know it, is our worst enemy. Why is it our worst enemy? Because it is the rational mind that creates the limitations by which we can't, we can't see 48,000 tables occupying the same space. And yet we were told that, that Yaakov was lying on a piece of, little piece of earth dimension of maybe let's say six feet I don't know how tall he was, six feet by two feet and all the land of Israel was was brought together the whole land of Israel occupied the space right under Yaakov can the rational mind conceive that? no rational mind as it observes the surface of the earth and you know when you want to travel from here to to uh, to Olympic Avenue, you know that you look down and you see down in the corner is Olympic Avenue. Olympic Avenue is not here, so obviously land occupies space. How could Olympic Avenue be right here? Does a rational mind comprehend that? No. Scientifically, is it correct? The answer is no. 
scientifically. Well, now that you heard me say scientifically, it's incorrect. Well, now maybe you're going to have to begin to accept something that the rational mind does not want to accept. It is because the rational mind, because the rational mind is our worst enemy. It is the rational mind that limits and prevents the illumination. That's its purpose. The, the, the rational mind is what Satan makes use of. So as we never receive the total illumination of any particular subject, the total illumination of any particular circumstances, the total, the total elimination of, 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 of a business decision or, or, or whatever other decision. It's the rational mind that prevents the illumination. Therefore, when we talk about Olam Abba, we talk about what did Aaron do over here? Aaron was revealing What's, what's happening today for us? That there are people who are, who, once they made that decision, scientists have not made the decision. They have to grapple with that idea. To grapple with that idea. Time is, is not what we thought it was. Space is not what we thought it was. How much space, how much space does, does, does a, does an astronaut Cover in one minute, one hour. How much space? How much he covers? A thousand miles. How could he cover a thousand miles? How much space does he? How much? How much time does it take to cover two hundred feet? Well, he's lying on two hundred feet at one time. Because divide, divide a thousand miles, divide a thousand miles into one second. You have about 200 feet. In less than a second, which our minds can't comprehend it already. Less than a second. He's occupying 100 feet. He's, 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 he's on 100 feet. But his body, his body is only two feet wide. How does he occupy? These are some of the, these are some of the, uh, ideas that we present here in the class only for, 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 well, that's, that's a technique. That's not the way, that's not the way your rational mind will become, will become, uh, you become free. What, this is what, this is what the Zohar means. How do you become free? How do you become free from these limitations? Only by the illumination of the light. The path is, when the path is there, you know what's going to happen with the rational mind? Since the rational mind is darkness, rational mind is Satan, when you flip a switch, what happens? The light goes on, darkness disappears. The, the limitation of the conscious mind, which, which right at this moment is, is too much for, for us to grasp, for many of us. I'm not saying all of us. Many of us, some of us, ha have already overcome this problem of the limitation of, well, this is what sounds logical. What sounds logical is probably unreal what is fantasy what is imagination you know that's what Einstein got his uh, Nobel Prize for <laughs> not for his theory of relativity never got his Nobel Prize for theory of relativity what he received the Nobel Prize for was his imagination but imagination is not real that is what's real that which is not limited by, by Satan Kantor. Well, how, how does that happen? 
How do you remove this block? Put on the light. Then you become free. Why do you mean you become free? You're free of this limitation, of this, these shackles that have been placed on us by this conscious mind, by the rational conscious mind. And therefore, Bahalotka, Etanerot, says the Zohar, what was he doing with the, with the oil? What was the oil doing? It re was revealing the sphera of Chachma. The level of Chachma, which you all are familiar with. Those are the things that makes your heart feel good. Well, the answer is, you know, that restaurants that have candle lighting are probably more expensive than those who only have electrical lighting. They charge more. You don't have, you don't have candles in a cheap restaurant. You ever figure out why they don't put candles? Look how nice. Why do McDonald's put, uh, put candles on their tables? What would be wrong? Is it so prohibitive the cost to put a candle in? Why don't they put candles? Well, that's such a simple idea. Maybe one day someone will bring it to them. But all these years they couldn't think, or in fact, not only McDonald's, but all the others. In fact, every cheap restaurant doesn't put a candle. The ones that charge you more on the bill for the same thing, those are the ones who give you the candle. I mean, what, where's the logic? No control over that. No control over that. Anyway, that's the way you might even say, because that makes, makes you feel good with candlelight. Why does it make it make you feel good? Why? Well, it does. Why? Because it's it's drawing out. It's it's like from the seed, from this seed, which is total concealment. It conceals. It's like the Torah conceals everything. But from this concealment, from this box, when you open this box by lighting the candle. What he did, he created an aliyah. What do you mean an aliyah? Well, doesn't the candles go up? Doesn't the flame go up? That's why it's called aliyah, some say. But that's not either what it means. The Zohar said what it means. It's connecting the upper realm. What is the upper realm? Why do we use the word upper realm? Well, upper is beyond us. If it's the lower realm where we are, well, that's something right next to us. It's something which is not right next to us. Well, is this empty space next to us? Of course it is. But for for us, it seems to be out there. It's the expression, out there. We're out there. Somewhere out there. No, out there means only to the extent that I have no control. I have no connection with it. Out there doesn't mean there. Out there simply means I haven't got my hand on it. I haven't got a handle on it. That's what out there means. Once the light goes on, then that which was there and is there now becomes revealed for me. And therefore, it is. it does not mean that he, he lit the candles. Lit the candles are insignificant. Of course, how else if he didn't light the candle? How else would this, would this, would this uh, candelabra go on?
Then he goes on to other things, but there was another matter that I wanted to, uh, in this week's parsha. And strangely enough, in uh, this week's parsha, in uh, page 11 of Bahalotchan Nezoha, Lamegim, we have what seems to be almost a repetition of that which we already have learned in uh, Parshat B'Shalach. In uh, paragraph Lamed Gimel 33, and that's, of course, referring to the uh, three verses of the 72 letters and where we, we have achieved our our uh, the uh, tablet of the 72 names. And here, although this had already been discussed fully in, uh, in Pasha Balotka, the Zohar again is coming to discuss this idea of Ayisa, Vayavo, Vayet. Those are the uh, three, uh, three uh, words by which each verse begins. Says the Zohar, this verse, this verse is kaseda, means as it, as it appears. Why? And everything, this verse, the first verse of Ayisa, that's 1920 and 21 in, uh, Parshat Mitzido. Everything comes, everything comes from his side. And therefore, Therefore, if you notice in the tablet, this verse, the first verse, you will notice how you have it beginning with the Bab, and you'll have the second box with a Yud, and you'll have the third box uh, with a Samach, and you have, I think that's what it is, am I right? No? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the third and the fourth box is with an ayah. Right? It goes, each box begins with the, with the way the words flows. By Yisavayavadam. If you notice in the, uh, in the second, in the, uh, the second letters of the boxes, in other words, the first box, you have a bab, then you have It does not begin with a vav. There's no vav in the second. In the second, uh, why? Because we're taking we're taking the last letter of that verse. Last letter in in the shalach. Um, the last letter is in verse 20. The last word is halayla. Now you'll notice that the second, the second letter, which is referring to the second verse, runs, runs contrary. In other words, it begins in reverse. You have the first box with the second letter is a hey. Then you'll notice 
that the second box, which the second letter is the second verse, is a lamed, because it is going the reverse from the last back to the first. And vayet, we then begin the procedure again as we did in the first verse. It'll be, the third letter will be the vav. The third letter will be the vav in the first box. Since we're talking about the letter vayet, we're talking about the word vayet, and he, and he bent or extended Moses extended his hand on the sea, and you'll notice that in the second box, the last letter is a yud. It runs the, the same gamut as the first verse. In other words, the central column, uh, Teferit, which is Yaakov, runs along the same system as Chesed. All right, that, that's the way these, uh, these boxes were constructed. Important to know part of knowing which makes a, a stronger connection. Now he says these letters from this verse Vayisa Malach Elokim is it just telling us a story? Just to translate an angel of death traveled and he was traveling uh, before the uh, camp of uh, the Israelites. And he was going after them. And then the cloud, a cloud, a pillar of cloud uh, traveled before them and stood after them. An event, says the Zohar, of course not. Each and every single one of these letters in this verse, each and every single letter in this verse is generating what kind of energy? Because we're talking about Baalotka. That's why he's talking about whenever you have revelation, remember what we said about, we said last week concerning Vaihibin Soa Ha'aron. Uh, there we used it, but in this week's Pasha, we actually have it. What is what is the connection? Why is it here? In this week's parasha, we will have the actual. Uh, we have oh, a lot of combinations which uh, we're, we're not going to be able to get into in a short uh, period of time. But in um, in uh, this week's parasha, familiar by Ibn Sahoron that in all synagogues at the time of uh, of um, of taking the Torah from the Ark which is recited and sung so beautifully, etc. And also its returning of the, uh, of the scroll to the ark in the, in this, uh, in this, in this verse, in these two verses, is referring to what? Telling us about they carry the ark and they put the ark down. Had no meaning. And therefore, the Zohar already said in, uh, stated in Pashat Naso that when we're discussing Bin Soharon, we're talking about generating energy. No less, no less, as we understand that in order for us to have this electrical current, so we think, so we think, in order to generate electrical current or to generate any, any mechanical device, you must have electrical current coming in from, uh, 
from uh, an electric power station. Now we think that maybe we can generate energy from the sun. Soon, not in the too distant future, we will be generating energy. But what kind of energy? Not energy that ultimately dissipates itself and therefore, yeah, uh, that's how the electric company exists. Why are they afraid of the, uh, of the, uh, of solar energy? It's too abundant. And, uh, it doesn't cost as much and won't cost as much. And therefore they can't charge as much. So there's been this controversy. But in short, what each one, what each one is actually doing is the electrical current Energy? No. It's a vehicle by which it reveals. We've been discussing that this pasha is only discussing illumination, revelation. That's what Aaron was doing. Revealing things that are there. Fuel, petroleum, electrical current, solar energy. All of these different methods by which energy becomes revealed. But what is that energy? Is the light force. Palotcha etanerot. We are extending that which is above and beyond us. That which we is olam haba. That which we somehow do not have control over. If we had control over that, we wouldn't need electrical current. We wouldn't need the solar system. We could manufacture ourselves through the 72 names. Through these 72 names, we could be generating our own energy. And that's what we do. That's why, what do we do on, on a Shabbat when we, when we mention the Mem Heishi? What are we doing with it? You know what we're doing with it? It's a healing device. What do you mean it's a healing device? What does that mean, a healing device? We create healing energy. No such thing as healing energy, although we use it for that. But what does it mean, a healing energy? That with these three, these three particular letters, so we were told by the Zohar, that these three generate on Shabbat, on Shabbat, unfortunately, only on Shabbat. Does it do this, does it do a job on the weekdays? Well, I've been told that Mahash generates some energy on, 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 uh, in the weekdays too. Why does it, what do you mean it generates energy? How do these words generate? How does it generate energy? How do, how does fuel generate energy? Well, we become, we become accustomed to the idea that if you ignite fuel, you have energy. You ignite fuel. You have to ignite the fuel. What about the fuel itself? Will anything happen with the fuel itself? Again, you have to use a process of light. Why do you need a process of light? Why do we need a process of a spark to ignite the bulb without the spark? Does it mean to light lavlik? No. You know what lavlik means? Lavlik is the, is pushing the, is, is, is striking a match. Even when you light the wick, when you light the wick, you're lighting the wick. 
But the process that actually contains the light is not your lighting the wick. What is the wick? What is a wick? What is fuel? An inanimate object. But what it contains, like everything else, like our bodies, we already contain the light force capacity. This light force, this olam haba that we've been discussing, olam haba. This, the, the, this totality of the light force of God's energy, which now presently is concealed, unfortunately, for most of us. There are devices. How you ignite it. But what happens with the, with those energy forces that are ignited through material means? What happens with it? Dissipates. All the electrical current that we're using here is being dissipated. And we gradually draw more and more and more. There's got to be a constant stream. If there should be disruption, even though we have ignited, we have ignited this lamp, but if, if the power station should cut off, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Because it needs a constant flow of the material. Of the material. This, this flipping the switch, lighting the wick, lighting the wick. If the wick ends, or if the oil ends, there's no light. Because we have, because what is being revealed is what is internally encapsulated by electrical current, by the fuel. Says the Zohar, these letters, these letters are the encapsulation. These three verses are the encapsulations of what? They are, they represent the different aspects already that we are familiar with in a bulb. In a bulb, what do you have? You have to have a right pole, a left pole, a filament. These three verses already represent what is the right pole? Right pole is chesed. In a very crude way, we generate energy in a bulb, in a very crude way. That's why it doesn't last. In a very crude way, this positive pole represents the chesed energy, a revealment of chesed energy. The first letter of all of these 72 names, they are eternal. The letters are eternal. These letters are eternal encapsulations of chesed of Abraham. What the, what the positive bulb here does for us in a bulb, this does it for us eternally, but it has one other advantage. One other advantage, which unfortunately this bulb does not have, and that is the capacity to reveal to the extent of the light force. How much of the light force is revealed? I can tell you immediately. You become healed if this bulb goes on. If you feel better, maybe, instead of sitting in a dark room, now you've got a little candle lighting, you feel a little better, you feel a little less, in fact, with this. Whatever the reasons are, the reasons are simply because this bulb, the bulb does not reveal the, 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 uh, the, uh, a larger dimension than a candle, a lesser dimension than a candle. Why do you feel good? 
in candle lighting because it reveals a higher dimension, a higher capacity of energy. It makes you feel good. That's what the Zohar said, you samach lit. It makes you feel good. Oil, oil is a greater dimension. Is a greater dimension. Says the Zohar. Says the Zohar. But the Ayin Bet Shemot, now here you had the candelabra. You had the candelabra. What could be more powerful than the candelabra? Says the Zohar, and that's why the Zohar mentions the idea of the 72 names in this week's Pasha, which it doesn't seem to have any relevance. But we are talking about by Hebrew Zohar Aron. Now you want to talk about the level of, of capacity, of revelation, of energy, the maximum. The maximum. What does that maximum mean? That amount of energy that is healing, that amount of energy that reveals tomorrow. Why don't we see tomorrow? Why don't we see tomorrow? So picture it no less, no less than if you're in a, a corridor or you're in a room that's 75 blocks long and you have a candle you have a candle how far how far does this candle little candle extend maybe a block two three four when you walk down the 58th block when you walk down the 58th block you're in total darkness because the light does not extend that far now if you should have if you should have a uh a, uh, not a, not a, a, a candle or a bulb, but a, uh, a floodlight. It'll extend even further. In other words, the stronger the dimension, it extends beyond, beyond the present, beyond the present, beyond the here and now. So too, as we discussed time, if we, if we make use, and that is the purpose of, of the 72 names, what we're doing is making use of a, of a, an instrument, not unlike fuel, unlike a bulb, unlike any other mechanical devices that produce, like rockets, produce, produce an enormous amount of energy required to lift off this cat, this, this uh, capsule. To break through the, the, the corridors of the, of the Van Allen belts. To break through requires such an enormous amount of energy. The 72 names is the, is the epitome of the fulfillment of energy. And therefore, <coughs> how far does this, does this energy extend? Says the Zohar. Extends from the beginning to the end. The beginning of time to the end of time. There is no yesterday and there is therefore no tomorrow because at the present time everything is illuminated including yesterday and of course including tomorrow. And the reason that, that these letters have that capacity because just as in every Every instrument that produces energy, when I say produces energy, it's the wrong word. 
The word, the word is Bahalotcha. Bahalotcha et anerot. That reveals energy, not produces energy. The word is wrong. As if we are creating energy. We are not creating energy. What we are creating, what we have created, is a capacity or an ability to reveal the energy. The energy which is there, encapsulated, dormant, passive, only because it remains unrevealed, it remains concealed. It is just like the Torah. That's why the Zohar connects this idea of the physical Torah. It's like the wick. What does a wick do? Does a wick reveal energy? Yes. What kind of energy? Such a, such a minute degree of energy. Such a minute degree of energy. But the wick reveals more if the wick contains oil. If the wick is, is part of a, uh, of wax, it does not, it does not create. It does not reveal. Well, I shouldn't use the word create. It does not reveal the same level of the intensity of the light force of God, which is what is motivating everything in this world. The extent that we, we, uh, uh, reveal the extent that the capacity, the ability is expanded. Just like a bulb, as opposed to, as opposed to, uh, uh, a candle, whether it be oil or it be wax. Different dimensions. Where's the different dimension? Does the light have different dimensions? Of course not. There is no difference in the light. It is the degree of of how much light is revealed. No, no difference than in a long tunnel. The, the, the further removed from the candle, there's darkness. Does that mean there's no light there? Of course there's light. Einstein proved that light is everywhere. Light is everywhere. Although he contradicted himself by saying that light travels at a speed of 186,000 miles per second, contradicts, as we know, the other observation that he made, that when you're walking or you're running towards a flashlight and there's an impact, or you run away from the flashlight, And there's an impact. It is similar, as Einstein said, to two automobiles, a head-on crash, both traveling at 60 miles an hour, or both traveling in the same direction at 60 miles an hour. Or he picks up a little speed and travels at 70 miles an hour, and then there's an impact. Where is there a greater impact? Of course there's a greater impact, head-on collision. Einstein did not observe any difference between the person walking towards the flashlight or away from the flashlight. The rational mind does not conceive that there is no difference. The rational mind conceives an impact greater in, in when one walks towards the light as opposed to when one is walking away from the light. That's, it's so simple for the logical mind to grasp that concept. Yet, and from that he concluded that light must be everywhere. And so, whether you're walking away from the light or towards the light, you're always walking towards the light. Even when you walk away from this flashlight, you're walking against some other light. And that, and, but he still came to 
his contradictory conclusion that he could not accept that today is being disproven that there is no limitation. There is no such thing as 186,000 miles per second because there are things that move at a faster acceleration. Only his only problem was that if you travel faster than 186,000 miles per second, then you can go back in time. Then it means that yesterday, today, and tomorrow is all here now. That's, that became a problem for him. It became a problem. What, what the Zohar is saying here, that the reason why these 72 names are so powerful is because these first letters of each of these 72 names, called all of these particular letters, when these letters were written in the Torah, seemed to just tell us an event about what a cloud was doing, what an angel was doing. And that story not only has, has, it seems to be irrelevant, it has no significance, certainly for us today, forgetting about that, it has no significance for us today, but even then, so what? And therefore the Zohar concluded that this was the package. The package for what? Merely to tell us a hidden meaning? What, is, what do you mean by a hidden meaning? There is no hidden meanings. Yes, we, we give a deeper explanation. But the explanation is for what purpose? Was it just, as I, I once thought, when I, when I came to learn Kabbalah, and, I, I, and it said, uh, uh, Boel Paro, come to Pharaoh. And of course, everyone translates Boel Paro, go to Pharaoh. Because how can you say, come to Pharaoh? God is talking to Moses, come to Pharaoh. You should say, go to Pharaoh. You're instructing him to go to Pharaoh. So the Zohar explains, no, the word is Bo, but come up to the, to the source of his energy. Come up to the, to the supernal angel that provides Pharaoh with his energy, because that's where the war has got to take place. Oh, that was beautiful. So we didn't have to corrupt the word Bo now into meaning go, which it never did mean. And so we had a beautiful lecture, and I thought that was the extent. But with that revelation, with that revelation of the meaning, we are revealing an aspect, a level of energy. Revelation. Revelation of an idea is revelation of energy. Today they, they talk that way. Talk that way. Information is what? Energy. Superhighways. Superhighways of information. Energy. Everything is being classified as energy. Well, as always was was way ahead of, of, of these ideas, but with one difference. He's providing the system. They haven't found yet the system. Not only haven't they found the system, but there's another problem. All that energy becomes so full of an accumulation of information, now what do you do with it? What do you do with all this information? How do you arrive at what you're supposed to do when now they give you, they give you stacks and stacks of papers? So you put them into a computer, hopefully maybe the computer can come up with some information, but you can't. These particular letters, says the Zohar, each and every single one of those letters are already, are already created with the total maximum capacity, unlike the wick, unlike petroleum, unlike rocket engines. They have the total capacity of revealing the full extent of the light force, when you reveal the full extent of the light force, 
Does the bulb help you in seeing now what stock to buy for tomorrow? Of course not. What does that have to do with it? Give me a little light so I can read. What does the rocket engine do? What does the rocket engine do for these space shuttles? What's it do? Provide you with information for tomorrow? Does it give you information? Well, they say, you know, if you do that, you travel up there, you get younger. Not a new concept. What does it mean you get younger? You can go back in time. Okay. It's, it's a departure from the way we understood. If it, what is time? Every minute that goes by, we're getting one year older. One minute older. Every minute. You get one minute older. Yet, if you go up into another dimension, you get one minute younger. Wow. You can get younger. How can you get younger? We just discussed that time, with every passing minute, has already become part of the past. Now we're learning. No. That's 501. If we began at 5, and 501 means we're one minute older. One minute has become part of the past. No, but another dimension. Take that time capsule, and what happens when you travel from 5 to 501? You get back to 499. Four, four hour, 59 minutes. Wait a second. By moving into another dimension, not only did I lose a minute, but I gained a minute. It took me a minute to get back to four hours, 59 minutes. Does the rational mind conceive of that? Absolutely not. But this is the capability because it has that total dimension where the idea of four, four hour 59 and 501 will disappear. There, that is an illusion. That is a complete illusion. Although we use it for a point, but it is an illusion. That's revelation. Thank you.